I'm Anna Marie Cox, and the universe had to end sometime. Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and maybe you should pretend like you're talking to someone educated in the penal system. In fact, <laughs> don't pretend. Welcome to space in a movie full of clunker lines like that. That's a pretty good. That that was a good one. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, Welcome to Space yeah. the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of millenarianism and operant conditioning. Today, we'll be talking about the Chronicles of Riddick, which is apparently available on Peacock. Dan, is that it? true i believe so it just left netflix i think it's on peacock now. Yes. i watched it on amazon so i could get the full experience of the director's <laughs> cut oh, and wow. the trivia which i enjoyed i'm grateful to learn about that <laughs> let's put it that way there yes. is a lot about the making of this movie that is more fun than the actual movie <laughs> next week we're going to talk about riddick which is the third movie in the Chronicles of Riddick. And then we're going to do They Cloned Tyrone. We have some other plans for the summer, Dan. Do we want to let people mm-hmm. in on those plans? Well, we're going to do, I think what we can we can say for certain is we're going to do both uh, films of The Meg. Yes. We're going to do The Meg, and then we're going to do The Meg 2. And if there is anything that like, the you know. <laughs> the Meganing. The exactly. <laughs> We, you know, we what we could do that we could do right after that we could do Megan, um, but like, <laughs> but the point is, if there's anything that that screams hot sci fi summer, it's big dumb sharks, big, or big dumb. smart sharks, well, yeah. overly intelligent sharks. Which, by the way, exactly. we should do Deep Blue Sea at some Deep point. Deep Blue Sea, that's actually not a bad idea. That's a good, yeah. I'm gonna have the rap in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> I've never mm-hmm. seen the movie, but I've heard LL Cool J's rap about it. So if you haven't already become a patron, please become a patron. We are available please. for patronage at patreon.com slash space the nation. There are many benefits, including hearing these early, hearing these episodes early. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, the benefit we tout the most, Dan. And what is that benefit? That is the Discord channel. If you become a patron, you get access to our Discord. And let me just say that our our Discord is delightful. It's a bunch of people from a whole bunch of different walks of life and with potentially different approaches to sci-fi. But they're all very enthusiastic about it. They like to interact with each other. They like to, you know, engage They like with to interact with us. And occasionally that means yeah. Dan. He stops by every once in a while. I do stop by. In fact, actually, what was interesting was I nearly actually met a patron in person <gasps> last night. Because as it turned out, how did you avoid it, Dan? What did you do? (laughs) (laughs) Unintentionally. No, no. What happened was we both went to uh, Colson Whitehead was giving a reading last night at Harvard, and we both went to it. And we I didn't realize we were both at it until I checked the Discord later. Yeah, someday we might have an IRL, have a Space the Nation con. I think we might have to do that at some point. Yes, maybe, maybe next year, or like you know, if we can, maybe that could be something we could entice when we get to three hundred patrons. Um, right now, happen- we're in- yeah. What's going to happen when we get to two hundred and fifty, Dan? When we get to two hundred and fifty patrons, we will do a patrons-only podcast on a topic chosen by you, the patrons, and it could be about anything. Doesn't have to be about sci-fi. Doesn't have to be about poli sci. You could pick anything. I mean, no video games, just no, to be clear, and no, no TV shows. No TV shows, no nine-hour Holocaust films. Yes, that came up last time. Uh, (laughs) I was going to say, if people act real fast, they could have Mm -hmm. us do Barbieheimer. Ooh. Now, is it Barbieheimer or Barbenheimer? I've heard heard both. Barbenheimer? Yeah. Oppenber? Oppenbee? No, no. Barbenheimer makes more sense. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer, yeah. you could have us do that. We're planning on doing mm-hmm. that next weekend. Yes. Yes. We are. We're going to devote Absolutely. like eight hours of our lives in, in a row to films that I believe have gotten reasonably well reviewed. So they have. It's just, it'll be, it'll be an experience. I mean, I'm up for yes. it. I'm up for it. What yeah. are some other ways that people could find our work, Dan, if they wanted to, if this doesn't scare them off entirely? Yeah. <laughs> If you want to try to reach us on social media, I occasionally still lurk on Twitter. Uh, we are, I know, I know. We are both on Blue Sky. We are both Getting on bigger Mastodon. every day, the Blue Sky. Exactly. Yes. I am at Dan Dresner. She is at Anna Marie Cox. We're also doing some other things. So I have a sub stack called Dresner's World. I'm also on threads. So you can reach me there at Real Dan Dresner. <laughs> 
Uh, Anna has a website uh, that is called www.annamariecox.com. It is spelled the same. It just happens to be spelled pronounced the same, differently. Just pronounced differently. The website has its own you know, mind on this. And she is also on Instagram. Did and I get everything? Columnist for the New Republic and for NBC.com. Uh, I recently did my own eight hours of torture, which actually was seriously, if you're going to choose like eight hours of exposure to something for the sake of writing about it, Barbenheimer, far superior to eight hours of Tucker Carlson interviewing GOP candidates, which is what I did Anna, last weekend. A, <laughs> yes, but I will say as someone who read your piece, I am... I. Greatly valued that you spent those eight hours because it was a terrific piece. And I actually used it in something that I wrote uh, for my Substack about how uh, Silicon Valley is losing its political antenna and why. So it was valuable. Yeah, it was a weird. It, pe- people are interested they can read it at, at TNR, but I we can't have a whole conversation about it. So I guess people just have to read it if they're curious. I do think it gave yes. a fairly accurate picture, not of who's going to win the primary, but of what the topics are going to be. And mm-hmm. it's it's pretty disheartening. Anyway, it's Damon, pretty weird. <laughs> I think we've kind yep. of covered how we are. Yep. Uh, sure. If you want, do you want to add anything? Any updates that are important? To our I'm actually in a really good or... mood. Oh, okay. Just that I'm going to get to see my brother uh, today, later today, and you know he normally lives in Sydney, Australia. So, and he's also a subscriber to the podcast. So, <gasps> I wanted to give him a shout out. You know, I know he sometimes every Is once in a while we say, okay, he's a patron. <gasps> we we wow. he's a patron. Wow. We've had occasional hiccups in terms of, you know, episodes being released. He has occasionally pinged me like, hey, when is this coming out? So, you know, <laughs> That's he, how he, you know. <laughs> That's how you know when how I keep it to... That's how we keep it touch, mostly through All customer right. service. I'm, but, you I'm, know, con- yeah. I'm contributing to the Dresner family togetherness. I appreciate that. Yeah. My update, Dan, is that mm-hmm. I uh, sliced my finger really badly yesterday. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. It, yeah. I Because our American healthcare system is what it is. I didn't go to urgent care because like you have to basically have your finger like dangling off your hand in order to like go through the trouble. Right. Of, of doing that. Mm -hmm. But it reminded me like, there's not much I don't like about living alone. I love living alone. I really do. That's one of those moments. (laughs) Because you know what it is? It's just, you want to show it to someone else and be, and be like, does this look bad to you? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You need the, there. There are certain aspects of our lives where you want a second opinion. Not. It doesn't even have to be an expert opinion. It just has to be someone who you trust who can. Does you know. This, this look bad. This look you need bad a second you? set of common sense. Is yeah. the way I would put yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Moving I furniture totally... is my other thing. The top of the list sure. as far as sure. not great living alone. Also, oh, yeah. chore chart is a square. Just a square. <laughs> or so I would thought it was because you thought you were going to say it was a flat circle, but that's no, yes, fair enough. That too. All right, let's get on with it. Although I, I think we're delaying for a reason. We're going to be talking about <laughs> Chronicles of Riddick. Dun, dun, dun. Why, Dan? Why? You know what, Ada? It's because it's all Riddick all the time. <laughs> it's, ridiculous. Mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Also, also, I'm legit impressed at how different this film is from its predecessor. I mean, Pitch Black was the little film that could. Pitch Black was a nice, nasty little B-movie involving some interesting characters, had some legitimate surprises, nice spare film, and who boy, this is not that. I'll say now, so it's it's uh, Pitch Black with someone saying, I bet we could do Alien on a budget. Like, I bet we could do a version of Alien that's got all the good things about Alien and we'll just strip it down and just kind of have fun with it, do our best, right? Right, that's Pitch Black. That's, that's Pitch the Black. first film in this, yeah, yeah. This is, what if we did Dune, but stupider? <laughs> like, what if we did stupider Dune- than the 1984 version. Yeah, like, they were aiming like, for the 1984 version. Yes, and they were like, yes. what if we do the 1984 version of Dune with worse world building and sillier <laughs> costumes? Yes. What if we did that? <laughs> pretty well, much magic appears in this in, in this in this series like i am gonna let you know there. like I, I will say this on it this is a, a important point to make to be fair i actually think the director's cut of this film is worse than oh, the yeah. theatrical version yeah it is because the director's cut i think has the magic in it 
No, if you yeah. necromongers are magic, period. Oh, that stuff. Okay. All right. Fair I enough. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. Like we yeah, the, the underverse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the names are also like the laziest fucking names. Oh yeah. Also the elementals. Like, that's a whole separate thing. <laughs> it's just yeah. No, no, no. Like every possible choice they could make in this film, they made it badly. That Except is the way that for I for the would. casting, which I want to talk about for sure. Yes. But again, like, and it's true, like if I had told you the cast of this film before you went into the theater, you would think this is going to be a great movie. Or at and least, it is the opposite at least of that. interesting. And, I and still think, well, oh, I, it's interesting it's in an, its own way. Okay. So this gets us to the next question, which is, will the podcast ruin it for you? <laughs> and my answer is no, because Vin Diesel and David Twahey got to this film way before you did. <laughs> And had no constraints whatsoever. They have already ruined this. Nothing we say or do is going to ruin this film for you. Trust me. So I was going to say, just don't watch it. But Mm -hmm. as I said, just a little second ago, just a little second ago, not a big second. It is (laughs) worth watching once. If you have a few hours to kill laundry folder, laundry, this is classic laundry stuff. Yeah. I've heard it called now, which I love. (laughs) This is a chore. There's core. other utilities for this, which I will talk about in a second. I mean, we yes. can we can talk about my previous experience. This because right. this is the first time you'd ever seen this film. Right? It is, and I wanted to say, as far as like seeing it for its own experience, mm-hmm. it doesn't quite get to good bad, but it mm-hmm. fails in a way that is pretty unusual. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. <laughs> I mean, look, look, the way I would put it is... It's an unusual is, kind of failure in terms of bad filmmaking. <laughs> say what you will about David Twahey and Vin Diesel. They are not taking a small swing with this See, film. and you know that's what I love. I love big yeah. swings. But it, this, this is, is a, one of those things where it's a big swing and it just doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> No, it is a total strike. This isn't just a big swing and a miss. This is a big swing and a miss, and then the batter loses the bat, and the bat goes into the the, state, the, 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 the fans, and it knocks someone unconscious. That's how bad this film is. Yeah, yeah, which, okay. So, Dan, how did this film come to be on your radar? <laughs> so, I have seen this film an embarrassing number of times on it, and here is why. This film came out, I believe, in 2004. You know, I've written a couple books in in that time, Ag. and I have what? Okay, Ag. <laughs> this is not a. I'm an academic. I'm supposed to do this, you know. All I'm trying to say is, is that and and Anna, maybe you had this experience when you wrote your book and when you're working on mm-hmm. on your current stuff. Every once in a while, when you are writing, you know, you will be like you're in the zone. You're writing for a lot, or you're researching for a lot. My point is, is you've worked a long day. You know, you've actually put in the effort. You really like, you know, pages are flowing or even not, whatever. The point is, is that by the end of the day, your brain is tapioca. Yeah. There were many days I had writing books where my brain would feel like tapioca around 10, 30 or 11 at night, but I would still be so wound up that I couldn't quite go to sleep. So what would I do? I would go down to my, you know, television, turn on the television and watch inevitably I would stumble upon this movie because there was a period of time where this movie was like on TNT or TBS or some cable station like 24 seven. And all I can tell you is, is that this was like my post writing cool down jam that I could watch this film and just like, it would just, I think your phrase is wash over me. Like you like yeah. mercury. All I can tell you is, is that I would watch this film and I could feel my brain slowly starting to wind down. Of like, it's like a none of this makes any movie. sense. Exactly. Yes, this is a perfect hot tub sci-fi film. Yeah, hot tub of yeah. the mind. Hot tub of the yep. mind. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, again, not good. I don't want to say it's good. It certainly is not. But for the purposes that I needed it for, this film was there on it, and that is why I will. I can't completely hate it. I'm, There's still a small part of me that likes it. I'm trying to think, you know, I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about as far as like right. your brain turned to mush after yeah. a lot of work. And I, I mean, I sometimes have that experience, not necessarily even on a book, like just like having right, a, on an article, yeah. just an article if like it's been, hasn't come easily. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I read, I read dumb books. You and, know what? I will say that is probably like 
healthier for you in terms of sleep hygiene. I know. No, I'm not. I'm not joking about this. Like, I know that you're not supposed to watch screens yeah. right before you go to sleep, and so maybe that's you know that's on me. That's it's probably better to watch. The, the, like, I, I read like airport thrillers. You know, oh, like, good. Yeah, like stuff yeah. I'm pretty embarrassed about, but that. <laughs> keeps and and that while i'm reading i'll be like this is this is stupid like yes i'll be be like wow this is a poor choice by the writer (laughs) (laughs) there's a continuity error here and i just keep reading you know (laughs) sometimes more than once all right we we need to talk about the actual movies to the extent no oh wait no we have to talk about the story there's a story the story behind the story which as you said is better than the story itself so i think we Parts yes. So let's get to the story behind the story, Anna. I'm taking it that a studio just backed up a truck and unloaded wads of cash in front of Vin Diesel and David Twahey's, like, you know, studio or something or like ha- offices. I, I don't know how this would work. That would be a great scene, by the way, in a Fast and Furious film. Just adding that. It, I assume that's how things worked in the mid 2000s. No. Am I wrong? Okay. So the studio was not as enthusiastic about this as Vin Diesel was. <laughs> You know what? Point for the studio, Anna. <laughs> Which, so I've, I, so I have heard stuff about Vin Diesel that makes me think he's kind of like a star, you know, like mm-hmm. he thinks he takes oh, sure. himself super seriously. And there is stuff yeah. about him that I'll oh, maybe yeah. mention that is hilarious because he takes himself very seriously. But mm-hmm. yeah, Vin Diesel went through a lot to get this made, including <laughs> holding a Fast and Furious franchise hostage. He wouldn't wow. do that until he mm-hmm. could do this. He sort of made a deal with the studio that he would be a, a cameo in Tokyo Drift for mm-hmm. them to do this. He so wow. believed in it. It went through several scripts, including one by Akiva Goldsmith, who's uneven in his work, let's say. Let's <laughs> just he's he's one of those writers that's got several Oscar nominations and several Golden Raspberry nominations. Yes. And I also want to add that his wife is a climate criminal for the amount of water that she uses in the Hamptons. There was an article about it in the Washington Post. <laughs> wow, you did a deep dive on this one. I just happened okay. to see it. But, okay. And Vin had a lot of control over the story because of all that. And he is mm-hmm. the one who brought the broader fantasy elements because, <laughs> Dan, Yes. Vin Diesel is a huge D&D head. Like, oh, that's sweet. I know. Incredibly passionate about it. He 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 has written the foreword to a and d book. Like, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> In fact, this is an answer he gave like Sci-Fi Wire back when it was Sci-Fi Wire. I think it does not exist in that form anymore. Said, mm-hmm. is it true you're really into Dungeons and Dragons? Then, no, I never play D&D. For some reason, they thought I played D&D for 20 years. They thought I spent years playing Barbarians, Witch Hunters, and the Arcanum. They thought I played D&D back in the 70s when it's just a basic D&D set. They thought I continued to play D&D when it became Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. They thought I played D&D when there were only three books, Player's Handbook, Monster's Manual, and Dungeon Master's Guide. They thought I played <laughs> D&D as it continued into Unearthed Arcanum, Oriental Adventures, Sea Adventures, Wilderness Adventures. They thought I played D&D at the time when Deities and Demigods was a brand new book. They thought I played D&D when I used to get to a place called The Complete Strategist in New York. Obviously, that's an adorable answer. That like, is an adorable <laughs> answer. Okay. This is making me like the movie more, Anna. I got to warn you. But like, yeah. So that's why it has the weird magic in it. Because uh, yes. Vin really wanted it. He also really wanted Dame Judi Dench. Like, he... <laughs> Okay, I want to hear more. Keep going. I don't know the full backstory. Okay. Apparently, she was in like a Broadway play while they were trying to get this together, and he uh-huh. kept sending her flowers and asking her. Aww, <laughs> that's so sweet. I love this idea of of Vin Diesel and like Dave. Like, I love that there's a world where Vin Diesel, like. Of wants to have Dame Judy Dench. He wants, right? Of yes. all the actors, his dream is in this stupid role. He wants Dame Judy Dench. Dude sent her flowers, and uh, she she succumbed. Uh, she said, "How could I say no?" And again, I want to talk more <laughs> about some performances in here. Oh yeah, we'll get to that. There yes. are three different versions of the film: theatrical, which is PG thirteen; director's cut, which is unrated; and the third version, which is a mix of the oh. two for some reason. Don't, I mean, if you're going to watch one of them, I would say the director's cut because it's got some of the weirdness in it. 
Mm-hmm. Vin Diesel was nominated for a Razzie Award uh, in 2004. Yeah. He lost to George W. Bush for his performance in Fahrenheit 9-11. Which is, <laughs> that was funny. Okay, uh, yeah. IP is a flat circle, as we've just, as we've covered before. Uh, the Xbox game, Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay, uh, was released at the same time. This was a huge hit. It's considered to be a very good game. And there is a short oh. film. Uh, an animated film that I think covers the time between these films or between the next two between pit or are you okay? Yeah, probably. I mean, who knows? It could be between pitch black and this film or this film and Riddick. In any case, I find the backstory kind of adorable, especially I, I almost forgive the movie for the fantasy elements <laughs> knowing like there's a picture also on the internet of him with a birthday cake that's shaped like a D and D dungeon master book. Oh, <laughs> I have to tell you, this is making me like the film more. Again, the magic parts are bad, but like, I, you know, you got to admire someone who wanted it. The only yeah. contra part here is that it is yeah. true, according to reporting from the Wall Street Journal, that he has in his contract that he can't lose a fight. <laughs> well, this would explain a lot that happens in the Fast and Furious yes. franchise as well. Oh, so and yeah. also The Rock has the same clause. So I guess they've never fought. The they have fought. Okay, then it, it was they, a tie. I believe so. Is the answer? They, yeah, actually, I think Vin Diesel and Jason Statham. Yeah, the whole the article in the Wall Street Journal was about how all three stars, or not all three, but like three of the main stars of Fast and Furious, all have it in their contracts that they can't lose. <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, it does explain the. It, let me put it, it explains the Fast and Furious vibe, which is inevitably. You introduce a new antagonist to Dom, then eventually what happens is that antagonist becomes an ally, which yeah. is what happened to both The Rock and Jason Statham. Yeah, that's just saying. Yeah, I, yeah, and also Vin can't can't really be a bad guy. That's also what it, thing. right. And what is truly weird is that also, I I know this like because I've I've now seen all the, of the Fast and Furious films. The Rock and Statham have also had a fight in which I believe it was a tie actually. So yeah, that explains it. All right, we can talk about the actual movie now if you want. Yes, let's please do. Oh wait, no, Chekhov's whatever. So I keep on trying to get us to the movie. It's just because I, I want know. it to be done. It's, I, I just I, want it to be done. You mean you want my fa- spectacular plot description to like? Right, I'm excited you know, confirm- about that. That's there what it is. We, okay. we have a Chekhov's yes. what's it, Dan? What's your Chekhov's what's it? It's Chekhov's knife. You know, it, it does seem to be the same knife travels a fair amount in that film. So yeah. I got a Chekhov's teacup, which is a little <laughs> cheating because it's a now. Na- it's a, it, for one thing, it happens in the same scene. But yeah, but still, the it's spirit of it is yeah, definitely yeah. very Chekhov, right? Yes, so. I agree. Yes, yes. All right. All right, Dan, I guess now, now okay. is the time we get to the plot. Let's get to the plot. Act one, meet the Necromongers. <laughs> no, so. I want to. <laughs> Five years after the events of Pitch Black, Riddick finds himself being pursued by Mercs again on another remote planet led by some dude named Tombs. After overpowering all of them, Riddick learns that the contract for him isn't from a prison, but from a private party in Helion Prime. Oh, hey, that's where the Imam lives. Riddick decides to pay him a visit, but he's not the only one going there. A comet presages a marauding cult called the Necromongers, led by the Lord Marshal, who is... <laughs> it's hard to say that keep a straight face, I know, isn't it? <laughs> I know, I know. Led by the Lord Marshal, who is, and I'm just going to quote dialogue here, which I cannot believe was actually written. The holy half-dead who has seen the Underverse. Mm. <laughs> the Necros lay waste to planets, converting or annihilating they everyone the in their necros, path. the Necros, it would be easier to take them seriously. Well, they do. I mean, they, you know, like, I think Riddick and others wind up saying Necro is sort right. of a, a shorthand. Mongers. It's the mongers sense, part yeah. that sounds weird. Thing. Mongers is a strange term. It's a strange I agree term. All right. Okay. All right. They lay waste. Anyway, Riddick is pretty pissed at the Imam, and even more so when he learns that Jack ran away to find him and got locked up in crematoria. Turns out the Imam told an elemental named Aaron. <laughs> Sorry, this is just all so, preposterous. Please go and laugh. This is, by the way, the character played by Dame Judy Dench. Um, <laughs> Told an elemental named Aaron where he was. An <laughs> elemental, in case you were wondering, Anna, is someone that I believe is either part air or part earth or part fire or part water. Ma- in the case of Dame Judy Dench, part air and so like seems pretty light. Let's put it that way. And like is kind of trans. She floats around. 
Yeah. She glides rather well. Yeah. Aaron put out the contract because the Imam told her Riddick was a Furian, and that race represents a threat to the Lord Marshal. The Necros attack and conquer Helion Prime in a single night, killing the Imam in the process. The Purifier, one of the Lord Marshal's, you know, subordinates, then seeks to convert the populace. The citizens aren't keen about abandoning their multicultural ways until the Lord Marshal literally takes the soul out of some poor slob. Mm. Riddick still refuses to bow down and defeats the necromonger who killed the Imam. Intrigued, the Lord Marshal invites him to his ship. Riddick agrees to go when Lady Vako asks nicely. <laughs> On a R.I.P. Keith David as the Imam... But you know what? The character really wasn't that good of a friend to either Riddick or Jack, was it? No, I guess. I, I mean, I, I said in the last episode that there should be a Keith David rule that's like the Harry Dean Stanton rule, which is that if he's in a movie, then there's a redeeming quality to it. And this is the exception <laughs> move, that proves the This rule. is the exception. Fair enough. I guess his character... I mean, it's all just to set up the plot, right? It's just all right. to set... Um, he has some motivation, I guess. It's just a really convoluted way to get Riddick to your planet, right? Like yeah. that's that's the yeah. problem here. Is it's a convoluted plot and it's a convoluted way to get this to happen. And mm -hmm. I don't know, friend to Riddick or not. Like he, in theory, is not trying to get him killed. In theory, he's just right. trying to get him. But again, seems like there could be better ways. <laughs> Also, the part that I was actually, I mean, like, the part that I was appalled by more happens off screen, which is Jack just ran away and the Imam didn't try to find her. Like, you know. Oh, I I mean, she's a teenager. I mean, I, I think she, okay. and also if he has a family, there's only kind of so much. And also, we don't sure. know. I mean, I guess that part I'm, I'm willing to give the movie, like, there's probably backstory there that we don't know. I want to sure. get into just okay. a little bit more from this that's throughout the movie, but bothered me the entire <laughs> movie. Riddick wears a cape. <laughs> Only I'm in the not, first I'm not, like, scenes. I'm, I'm not kidding. He wears a cape oh, yeah, yeah. and yes. he does Batman running. Like mm -hmm. there's all these Dutch angles, and I mean the sixties Batman. No 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 that one. Like mm -hmm. there's all these Dutch angles and he like bounces around like and does these like flying leaps that are then in kind of quasi slow motion. It is very strange, I think. Yeah. It, there's it, a lot it of takes shots you in, out of the movie in a big way. <laughs> no, there's a lot of shots of in this film where like Riddick is like, yeah, he's like somehow jumping like 20 feet in the air and he's like about to stab something. And like, I think there's at least three shots of him in slow-mo trying to go at something to stab it. Yeah. Also, I mean, what is the deal with his eyes? Because the goggles <laughs> and what he can see and can't see suddenly while it was super important in pitch black and like he could not wear his uh had to wear his goggles when it was sun was yeah. shining he takes them off all the time yeah. in in the yeah. next two movies there's just sometimes mm -hmm. he wears them sometimes he doesn't you can tell like they occasionally had they have riddick vision which looks a lot worse than regular vision i don't know why you would have like riddick vision anyway yeah these are some of the worst fight and battle scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. They are. Yeah. It's all bad. In a major studio release, it, mm -hmm. it looks like you got some kids got like Legos and did a stop action. You know, <laughs> like yeah. some of the production design is good. I was going to say that in, in debris field. Like I think some of the stuff looks kind of cool. Yeah. And they but clearly I, had a lot of money because there's a lot of crowd stuff that happens in this. And the crowd stuff actually kind of works. So, like, but that's as fine. soon as you start moving the cool looking stuff around. Yeah, it, it's cheesy as fuck. It looks really fucking cheesy. And yeah. I, it, it, that is when you know you're in for a long haul, I feel like. It's, <laughs> it, when the battle started, I was like, oh, no. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's when I started playing Wordle. Okay, <laughs> let's 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 move on, Dan. All right, let's go to act two. No one lenses and cleanses Riddick. Once on his ship, the Lord Marshal orders the quasi-dead, a bunch of half-dead telepaths, uh, to scan Riddick. They we'll confirm- Also work as a cell phone. Later. <laughs> yes. They confirm <laughs> that he is Furion. The Lord Marshal orders Riddick to be put to death, but Riddick escapes the ship with some mysterious help, only to be recaptured by Toombs and his new crew. They take Riddick to Crematoria, which is pretty much where Riddick wanted to go anyway to find Jack. 
The Lord Marshal orders the ambitious Lord Vako to take a frigate and the purifier and hunt Riddick down. So Crematoria is a pretty grim place. 700 degrees in the sun, 300 below during the night, and apparently some ribbon where it's tolerable. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like let's yeah, set yeah. up a really interesting thing and then not, let's set up rules and then just- And then, and break them. Yeah, yeah, break yeah. Em. The prison is underground. Riddick makes loads of new friends and finds Jack. She goes by Kira now and is pretty hot, but also remains super <laughs> resentful. <laughs> I'm sorry, Anna. Like I, 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 I know you have an issue with this. She shouldn't be that I'm going to say this. I agree. By the way, this is only supposed to take five years after Pitch Black, and she's and she's like what? Daughter, 18, 17? Like, yeah, you know, she's like yeah. his daughter figure. It's very well, odd. I, like I wouldn't go that. It's more like Big Brother, Little Sister. Okay. But yes, I agree. It's still familial, and yes. Yeah. But let me put it this way. I, it's fine that she could be hot. Like, there was no tension, but sexual no, tension. It's just weird. It's just like, she's weirdly, and she's not, she's she's the only woman, right? Pretty much. Which, given what we're going to deal with in the next film, Anna, I yeah. think that's not the thing. But let, let me put it this way. What's weird about it is that, like, it was clear, I don't think they knew what to do with her, I guess would be the way to put it. Like, it, you're right. She's sexy, but she's, like, sexy for no reason whatsoever. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't know how to yeah. put it. Yeah. 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 All right. Anyway, she goes by Kira now. Rosane's super resentful that Riddick abandoned her five years earlier. She apparently ran away from New Mecca, thought she was joining some mercs, but got slaved out instead. She's got issues, Anna. Meanwhile, Lady Vako learns from the elemental Aeron. I'm just going to keep saying elemental to make Anna laugh, yeah. by the way. Uh, <laughs> that the Lord Marshal fears a prophecy foretelling that a Furion kills him, which explains why he's pursuing a genocide against that race. Anna, how to put this? The prison scenes in this film don't make a ton of sense. Why were the animals sent down into the prison? Why are they what are Russian? The yeah, why is what it the, Russian? I did love. I, yeah, why is everyone Russian? What are the guards <laughs> ostensibly doing besides harassing Kira? I have no idea how the fuck that place works. I have no idea how the prison economy works. Like, and I don't. Yeah, in the prison economy, like, is there a judicial system or is it all mercs? <laughs> Like there's no, there's no sentencing. There's just like be putting prices on people's heads for no reason and then delivering them to a prison. See, to be fair, Riddick is an escapee. So like, I understand why he could just be put back. Okay, sure. But yeah, I I don't understand. Also just a private person puts a price on his head and then. Oh, that's fair. Well, I, I think that was one of many prices put on his head. All right. No, this whole section, it not only feels like another movie, it feels like an even worse movie. Like, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it makes no sense. They it, Like with the goggles, they set up these rules and then promptly, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. disobey them. them. That- and again, we have no idea what's going on in the prison. Like, again, like none of the things that we see make any fucking sense. Yeah. I yeah. kind of loved that they were Russian and it kind of, I mean, yes. it, I, when they didn't explain it, I was like, all right, this part I'll, I'll, I'll get on board. They're Russian. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. No, makes sense I to me in a way that that would become look, like the kind of tradition of this universe that all Russians eventually kind of just work as prison <laughs> guards. Like that, that, that's just, the, that could totally track. It's like a and family also, business. I don't know who the actors are, but the actors who play like the prison guards actually pretty good. Like they managed to actually wring some legitimate characters out of like not a ton of screen time in contrast to a lot of other actors in this film. So like, you know, props to them. Dan, were you going to mention the dumb computer talk? I had that in my debris field. Yes. So like one of the things, as as listeners know, I am now becoming a huge fan of, of highlighting when a computer on a ship says something ridiculously stupid. It said something ridiculously stupid in pitch black. The tradition continues in the Chronicles of Riddick because as they land it in crematoria, the computer says angle of approach, not good. No, no, Dan, it says something like speed. Good. Angle of approach. Oh yes. Approach. Not good. Not good. Yes. (laughs) But also, like, what's weird about this is that I think, like, two minutes earlier, it said, computer course laid in. And so, like, it's like, you know, they're just following the computer's instructions. And then suddenly, nope, angle of approach, not good. I don't know. That was just very funny. Uh, Yes. All right, Anna, let's move on to Act 3. It's the Crematoria 500. The Crematoria prison guards are none too pleased that Tombs was tracked by the necromongers. There's a shootout at the station, freeing the prisoners, killing the mercs, and causing the guards to flee on foot to the escape ship. 
Riddick, Kira, and a few others decide to go for the ship on Crematoria's surface since, and again, I'm going to quote directly from the script here, it's heading in the right direction. I have no idea what that means, Anna. I mean, I kind of know what that means, but like the point is you can't, as you say, describe a planet as plus 700 during the day, minus 300 at night, and suddenly they're able to go on the surface. And, like and just like clothes, by the way. Yeah, like yeah, actually it, it, half dressed. <laughs> well, they start, I will say they start wearing coats and then by the time like they get to the hangar, they're they're done All wearing right. coats. All right. Anyway, they barely make it to the hangar as the sun rises with Riddick saving Kira more than once. And who do they see there but the Necromonger regiment led by Vako. Kira wants to fight, but Riddick suggests waiting, and sure enough, that's the good idea, because the guards open the hangar door, and there's a confused shootout between the guards, the Necros, and Riddick's group. It ends with all the guards dead, and Kira and all the Necros leaving on their ship, except for the Purifier, who saves an unconscious Riddick from being burned to a crisp. The Purifier relays a message to him from the Lord Marshal, telling him to stay away from Helion. But the Purifier also reveals that he's a Furian, and hopes Riddick won't listen. After which, he then walks into the crematorium outside and it is incinerated in a scene that has actually become more painful every time I watch that. Yeah, um, although it's, it become well, is it the CGI that's painful or the idea of walking into the sun? <laughs> I think it's a mix of both, I confess, but actually it's the latter, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. Anna, let's get to the performances. There is a lot of non-Vin Diesel talent deployed in this absolute craptacular film. <laughs> Is there an Eddie Redmayne level performance? I mean, I kept thinking of Jupiter Ascending watching right. this film. I, my vote is for Tandy Newton, who is the only one who I think gives off the right vibe in the role that she's cast in. All right. Yes. Yeah. I want to play the game. Ranking okay, the actors go. in, in, in order of how much fun they had. This is my ranking. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm going to go from most fun to least fun. Okay. Yep. Get it. Most fun. Keith David. Mm-hmm. In and out. <laughs> Oh, like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, just, so like if it's a time versus fun, you know, equation, like yep, he yep. may not have had that much fun, but he was there for like a day. So yep. okay. he wins. Linus Roach. Who plays who, the purifier. Purifier. Mm-hmm. I think he is having a great time. Like <laughs> I will say, like I, I he really has basically two scenes. The first one must have been painful. That dialogue is for shit. Oh, but yeah. the scene the scene just before he leaves uh to get incinerated he's actually quite good in i agree with you it's like and he goes for it this is this is one of those like those lines are terrible and he delivers (laughs) them very effectively very effectively it's one of those like reading a phone book kind of things like it and the the lines make as much sense as reading the phone book right so bringing it i think thandy newton is next Mm -hmm. she had the most fun over the longest time probably like Mm-hmm. And she's the one you remember the most, I think. Yes, yes. Right? She is having scenery for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Just <laughs> She is, but the, know, that's the no appropriate thing. No craft service is needed. It's, just it's the appropriate thing scenery. to do in this film. Yeah. <laughs> she looks amazing. She does. Like, I, part, I have to wonder if like, part of the reason she's enjoying herself is like, she is costumed extremely well in this film. She looks amazing. There is an unfortunate scene where Lord Vaco slaps her and she gets turned on by it, which... You know, interesting. I've never seen this. That's problematic. Problematic. Although, you know, don't want to kink shame either. I would say, let's bear in mind. I don't know if there's a scene where I believe she's putting on eyeliner by burning her eyelids. Talk about a smoky eye. Yes. 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 She puts on eyeliner with a soldering iron. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Like, yeah. So good. Next, I would say uh, this is to least uh, fun, right? So yeah, we're not. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, approaching the least fun. Judy Dench. Mm-hmm. I, I think she's having an okay time calling it in a little bit. Little I think she's bit. like, yeah, the way I would put it is it's she's gliding. Her. It's a lark. She's, she's gliding in the same way her character is. It's yeah. like she's coasting would be the, would be the word. Yeah. It, it's, it's, she's it's like, a lark. It's, it, it's yeah. like, she's like, oh, this will be fun. That, that, that young man sent me all those flowers. It's the least <laughs> I can do. Well, I also think like, this is one of those where the, the, I think the Anglo, the, the British actors get a little like you, this is where the accent really does a lot of help for them. Like, yeah. All she has to do is be charming and that's it. I also like the idea that maybe she had an onset affair with Vin Diesel. Like that's Ooh my. Like part of that's... the, that's my head canon for this is okay. You know, saucy. Anna. They might I like both that. be married or something, but I think they'd make a cute couple. And then second to last in terms of fun, mm-hmm. Calm Fjord. 
Yeah, the Lord Marshal. He does. He tries. He is yeah. trying so hard. That mm -hmm. armor was probably the weight of a Hyundai. Like it is. Oh God, that that helmet that he's got is just looks. He looks uncomfortable. uncomfortable. He. I mean, yeah. I think he's a fantastic actor, yeah. and he is going for it. But he mm -hmm. looks like he wishes he was someplace else. <laughs> Like, like, like his character, he wants to be in multiple places at once. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's trying, like, I don't, I don't mean this as an in insult, really. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like, he's overcoming something to be as good as he is. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Let's be clear. The, the, the script does no help for him whatsoever. Right. So, and like, it's just yeah. like, it's like if you're performing with a stomach ache or something, like you're, <laughs> you're trying and you're doing it, but there's like definitely like a, a thing you're having to overcome. I and think then, that, you know what it is about him? You can sense the work, which is like the problem. Yeah, that's sometimes. what it is. That's what it you is. You can sense and, the F, the struggle. And yeah. he's really struggling and he, he gets something out of it, but. Right. He's but it's working. the opposite of Judy Dench. Like, again, right. It, right. in some ways. Yeah. And then least amount of fun, Carl Urban. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Poor Carl Urban in this movie. <laughs> he has one expression. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. He has to wear the same armor as Colin Pure. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I think he gets to kiss Thandie Newton a couple times. Okay, that's pretty good. Like, that you know, that's a compensating good, plus. Yeah, but yeah. he's playing a total sourpuss. And yes. he's so good. Do you watch The Boys, Dan? I've watched season one of The Boys. And I've also, you know, I've watched him in Star Trek. He is a, he's an incredibly funny guy. He's so funny. He's like, yeah, yeah. Not, he's he's very charismatic. Um, yeah, exactly. I love the fact that he's great as McCoy and also this, you know, total son of a bitch in The yeah, Boys. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. And he, where if Confier looks like he's trying to overcome something, Carl Urban looks a little <laughs> bit like he's given in. Carl Urban has surrendered to the role. <laughs> yes, I think that's absolutely right. Like, there's no, like, it, there is no charm or, like, you, you don't care about Carl Urban in this role. And like, neither know. does he. Like, he, yes, exactly. he, it is so funny because he's like the one character that gets to the next movie. <laughs> it's ironic. I, I almost wonder, was that like, did David Twahey feel bad about it? And like, so as a result, he gets to go into the next film. It's a valid question to ask, you know, I just be like paid off there. a summer home or something like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, it's the same. Definitely has the least amount of fun in the movie. I agree yeah. with you on that. All right. Let's close out this plot on a, with act four podcasters. Keep what we record. <laughs> Vako tells the Lord Marshal that Riddick is dead and is promoted for his apparent success. Riddick pilots the escape ship to Helion Prime and infiltrates the Lord Marshal's ship dressed like a guard to the consternation of Lady Vako, who spies him. She and Lord Vako plot what to do and decide to give Riddick his chance and then kill off the Lord Marshal and ascend to the throne when he's wounded because that's the Necro way. Once inside, Riddick challenges the Lord Marshal. Lord Marshal, by the way, and I apologize for keep saying the Lord Marshal, but there's no other name for this character. I kind of wonder, like, is it the Lord Marshal Bob or the Lord Marshal Steve or something? <laughs> it's actually, there's more than one. It's Lord's Marshal, Dan. Lord's <laughs> Assemble the Lord's Marshal. Yes. Anyway, Lord Marshal has a pretty nifty fighting technique, however, and he also has an ostensibly converted Kira by his side. Riddick puts up a good fight, but the Lord Marshal is close to taking his soul until Kira goes and stabs him. The Lord Marshal responds by impaling Kira on a spear, mortally wounding her. Vako, seeing his chance, moves in to kill the Lord Marshal. The Lord tries his be-in-two-places-at-once maneuver, but he apparates right to where Riddick is waiting, and Riddick kills him. Because the necromonger way is to keep what you kill, that means that Riddick is recognized Sorry. as the new Lord Marshal. We just as Kira dies in the lead arms. up, we didn't. We need to say you keep what you kill you as keep many times as they do. Uh, that's yeah. <laughs> they do say it a lot. All right. So Anna, remember how you said Pitch Black worked because of the lack of exposition? I yeah. Was this just like the opposite with just a shit ton too much of world building? I bet Vin Diesel's a great dungeon master. Like <laughs> that, and that is how this should have been a campaign, a D and D campaign, right? Yes. Oh, like, that's a great way of putting it. Yes. yes it I would agree. have been a great D and D campaign. It yeah. is a terrible movie. It's funny because Dungeons and Dragons, the movie is actually pretty good. It is. Delightful. It's available now. I think. Yes. Yeah. With mm -hmm. the silver Fox, Chris Pine, my favorite, mm -hmm. my new favorite, Chris. <laughs> edge out the Hemsworth really like 
you know. Congrats to Chris Pine. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very, it's, it's a very silly movie that doesn't quite get ridiculous enough to enjoy. And yeah. I got a little mad at you. It's true. Oh, I'm sorry. But I did, I did play Wordle. Um, I did some Sudoku. <laughs> you know, I got, I got the kitten Bram and he's very distracting and that was fun. Okay. So I actually, I'm really glad we did the, you're the one who does the plot reviews. That's mm -hmm. all. Cause I like missed a few things here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I am sad that you didn't put how the the quasi dead are cell phones though. That was like one of my favorite <laughs> moments. They're like, they're like you know those like speaker phones that used to have in offices that look like little monta rays, like mm -hmm. that, that I sit on desks. Like that's what like the quasi dead are. They like are these speaker phones I, to communicate well, I, I, across I think, the galaxy. So wait, I think there's like the quasi dead and then there are like the trackers, I think, which maybe are quasi dead as well. I don't know. No, this, like, this is definitely quasi dead because there's a little water okay. thing. And then there's the Cyclops stuff, which is like an interesting idea, but yeah. goes absolutely nowhere. Anyway. Yeah, it, it's an example of like, actually that was a small piece of like set design that I liked. like. Like the characters that are yeah. like trying to detect something and then like they're clearly like deformed or something and they just have like, one big know, eye, like, yeah, yeah. It's weird, but like, yeah, it's weird, and it's that was actually weird that works, which is unusual in this film. There's some good costuming, like even yeah. what the armor that Calm Fiore wears is mm -hmm. interesting. It just looks as heavy as he's making it look. <laughs> I will say this: literally, the first moment you see Calm Fiore, that's the one time it really works because, like, yeah. he turns his head and you you realize it's a helmet. And it's not what you're expecting. And again, it works for that scene. The problem is anytime he's actually walking around, it's just, it looks horrible. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. So Dan, I think we have to move on. So okay, I need to ask you something. Yes, Anna? Is there IR in this shitty movie? Anna, I hate any universe where I'm not the IR guy. Okay. <laughs> but fortunately, I'm the IR guy in this podcast. And there is some IR in this film. And it's some pretty simple realpolitik, despite all the world building. We get this from Judy Dench's very first voiceover where she says, you know, in normal times, evil would be fought by good. But in times like these, well, it should be fought by another kind of evil. You know, that's the classic. I mean, really, in some ways, Anna, she's just paraphrasing Churchill there, you know, saying that if hell decided to ally against Hitler, I would at least make a favorable mention of, you know, the devil in the House of Commons. You were supposed to laugh when I compared Judy Dench to Churchill, by the way, because like in no way, shape or form does anything <laughs> in this film approach Churchill. Let's just be clear about that. I'm a little hurt by that. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, Dan. I That's just right. I, I was going with, I, I thought you were gonna get to enemy of my enemy is my friend, but well, Churchill the, took, yeah. a, took a much longer time saying that. Sorry, so. but yes, it is the enemy of my enemy is my friend, yes. Yeah. In this film but we see cut, Dan. I admire it. Go ahead. Okay, thanks. Because in this film, we see not one, but two three-cornered fights, right? At the crematoria hangar, where it's between the guards, the necros, and Riddick's sort of escaped convicts. And then in the necromonger ship at the end, where, again, the enemy of one's enemy is one's friend. And so Riddick is fighting the Lord Marshal, and then Vako decides he's going to intervene as well. I do also think, and it's funny, Pitch Black had interesting things to say about religion and God, I do think this film is trying to say something about the appeal of religion because that's what the necromongers are supposed to be. Like, they're clearly a cult. It's the appeal of religion as a means of amassing power and adherence. The problem is, is that the film really sucks at doing that. Um, <laughs> because, how to put this gently, there is nothing appealing about the necromonger way. Like, there's yeah. zero that's attractive about it. You know, please join our cult. You will get tortured. And then you will have to do whatever we say. Like, you know, you see these scars on people's necks as they're indoctrinated. You know, like on the one hand, as you say, there's magic in the film. It's clear that the Lord Marshal does have some sort of mystic power. But beyond that, really no, uh, no attraction to it. And also Helion Prime is a bad candidate world for conversion. Because generally speaking, if you're looking to, you know, make converts, you know, as a general rule, you want to go to places where life is hard where life is difficult. And that's where religion can actually offer a sort of an appeal of how to achieve salvation in places where there's, you know, prosperity, where there's tolerance. Religion doesn't necessarily work very well as a means of attraction because people's lives are pretty good. And, and by the way, that's what the people in, you know, 
Helion Prime wind up saying. It's like, we don't want to do this. I did love that line of like, we're a world of many cultures, many religions. It was like, <laughs> you know, but yeah. So yeah, the film has a few dumb things to say about IR. Yeah. Our DEI score is really high. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, please, please come to our implicit bias training at 2 p.m. in the conference room. <laughs> now, if, they, now, if the necromongers would say you don't have to do any more DEI training, maybe that would have attracted a few more adherents. That's all I'm saying on it. All right. All right. But I have a question for you. Yes, Dan. Is there a critique of capitalism in this film? Dan, I've done unbelievable things in the name of a faith that was not my own. Capitalism. <laughs> oh, that's a great line choice. Uh, bravo. Bravo. Well, yes. obviously the necromongers are capitalism, Dan. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. life is antagonistic to the natural state, you know, pillage, destroy, repurpose for their own uses, whatever they've destroyed, and creating an army of brainwashed consumers, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, it has to be. You were asking, like, why would anyone join this cult? I mean, there is that right. question about capitalism, too. Um, why would people do this? Because the illusion of amassing any kind of wealth yourself, like, you're promised that, and yet you never get it. I will say the necromongers are kind of straightforward about it. In that way, hmm. it's not yeah. like capitalism, because they're like, no, you're going to suffer. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, not, they're not offering. It's not a multi-level marketing scheme. They're very clear at the outset. You're going to suffer, yeah. then it'll be fine. That's yeah. how it's unlike capitalism. Yeah. Now, I actually think the better example of predatory capitalism is this Merck economy. Right? Yes, which I, yeah, yeah. Which is sort of fascinating because it's not clear how it works, but mm -hmm. there is a way in which capitalism turns us all into mercenaries. You know, <laughs> we sell our souls to participate in the advancement of a belief system that values that was... life less than profits, right? Yeah, and that's <laughs> what the cut line from the the first movie said. Although it is also problematic because it's problematic to, to use this example because it doesn't make any sense, right? Like in the movie. <laughs> Much like the rest of the film, Anna, I was going to say, to be fair, you're trying to make sense of a film that was never our own. Yes, exactly. Like, I really want to make this metaphor work. I really do. <laughs> but because the economy of the movie makes no sense, right? Like wh who, how do these, how are these prisons, who funds these prison systems, Dan? Like, what is the know. central government that, like, are these private prisons? Maybe it's a for-profit prison. I got to say. But even if it's a, even a for-profit prison, Anna, only makes a profit because the state is paying it. So, like, right. that's the so point. Right. Yeah. So what states are paying for this? Where is the justice system? Are they just rounding up people, like, you know, uh, press-ganging people? I don't know. In that way, maybe it is like capitalism. It's just sort of eating itself. Um, I will point out, <laughs> no true alliances exist as long as long as long as people are part of the system right it's uh, mm -hmm. solidarity emerges when they work together as the prisoners mm -hmm. do it's solidarity that allows you to throw off your chains dan dan fair enough can i get an amen 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 thank you i want to say something about the amen yes <laughs> tucker carlson just to go back to the tucker carlson <laughs> job that i did like eight hours yes. of tucker carlson right He's got religion now. Did you know that? Like he's been reading no, the Bible and stuff. Yeah. Oh, and shit. he's developed good. an amen tick. Like. Oh, really? It, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Weird and Episcopalian. Like you don't see that very often. Like. Well, what's also weird is like, you know, and this is in the article that he I He doesn't say, can I get an amen? He doesn't do it in the like AMA way. Does he, he does just does say, it, how does he do it? He does it like someone says something he believes and he's like, amen. Amen. Oh, uh, that can be effective actually. I don't know. What's interesting to me is that he does that, but like also you wrote in the piece you wrote, you describe this exchange he has with Glenn Beck where he's like, oh, yeah. like this is just real. It's just a really fucking disturbing thing for a commentator to say, but basically like we're all too scared of death. Is, is that, yeah, that, that is exactly what said. They said. The problem in this society is that we're all too scared to die. Throw it. Yeah, that, 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 we are throwing up our hands. We are just throwing them up. That is not the problem with our society. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to take the bold pro-life position here, Anna, of no, that's not the problem. It is a weird thing for someone who is ostensibly pro-life to say. Yes. Uh, and it also, I mean, won't get too political, but my general opinion of what has happened to the conservative movement is that they've become nihilists, you know. <sighs> 
just narcissistic nihilists. They're doing things. They have no agenda beyond They've power. They've all watched this film, Anna. Yes. That explains it. The necromongers. That's They've right. Become the necromongers. Capitalism. They're conservatives. <laughs> that analogy works really well. The necromongers are the MAGA movement. I think we really come on to something here. All right. I got it. That's, I got it. Although yeah. the MAGA movement iconography is is not as good. Like, yeah. you know, better special effects. Discordant notes, Dan. This is the time where we take questions from our patrons from the Discord channel about whatever it is we're discussing. Answer them here on the podcast. So Doug O., person I almost apparently bumped into at the uh, Colson Whitehead reading, uh, asks a very simple question, which, by the way, like this was the only one that we could really use. What's our favorite chronicles? Riddick? Narnia? Martian? Anna, what's your answer? Well, people should go and listen to the Narnia episode because that I, I talk about my very special connection. Mm-hmm. And also Dan and I fight, which is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Does not happen very often. Is that really a fight? Yeah. It's discussion. Discussion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got a little heated, but total Narnia head. Dan, you? Uh, none of the ones listed. Higher education for me. Uh, Chronicle of Higher Ed. Yeah. Did you know I used to work there? I did know that you used to work there. Yeah. And in fact, I, I believe Doug O knew you used to work there. Like, oh, okay. I, I, did someone put an an- put this answer in the in the Discord? And I was like, yeah, that is my favorite chronicle. And someone pointed out that you would work there. So yes. Yeah, it was actually a pretty decent job. Uh, yeah. And then it, they kind of fired me. So oh. it, what, first in a series. Um, but mm-hmm. it got hear me here. So thank you, Chronicle of Higher there Education, for booting yeah. me out the door. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the helium five pieces. Yes, ah, yes. Angle ah. approach, not good. Mm-hmm. Debris field, Dan. <laughs> what do you got? I have kind of a lot because there was a lot of places oh. that I was like, WTF movie. <laughs> you know. I have a couple of things, not a ton. Why don't you go first then? First thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the ice planet where they get Riddick. The first, yeah, the very yeah. first planet we see. Yeah. That's a very stupid way to have your gunners on a ship, which is just <laughs> dangling from the sides. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not <laughs> like you're still, generally speaking, if you're trying to fire a weapon at anything, you want to not be moving. That makes it much easier to actually locate your target. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I kind of like the idea of protein waffles. And in fact, I now realize that between this and the expanse, all sci-fi should have space waffles on it. I want waffles in every sci-fi intellectual property. That's all I'm saying. Dan, I had protein waffles for breakfast, and I'm not actually <laughs> kidding. Oh, sweet. <laughs> uh, Kodiak is the brand. They make protein waffle mix. I, oh, I, there you go. Pretty good. And protein uh, muffins. And, you know, the amount of protein is not, nah, but there's relatively low glycemic index you know the reason I, we're talking about protein waffles is that riddick mentions like they're talking about a prison and he says the protein waffles ain't bad there and i was like yeah i, I can go for some protein waffles good to know i have some of the dialogue that um <laughs> was fun including uh uh look i'm not with everyone here which i thought i don't know if that's supposed to be a laugh line or not i think so i think but- so yes but it's it's, it's a valid <laughs> Valid question. Yeah. <laughs> because what, we didn't talk about this, about who's not having fun and who's not. I don't think Vin Diesel was having fun. No. So we, this gets to the point, like in terms of the Vin Diesel grunting level. Now we oh, yeah. said that in Pitch Black, in, from a scale of one out of 10, it's a one. He doesn't ever do it. Here, it's like an eight. Like, you know, the the, the line that is like that, that always like I cringe when I hear it, it's like, Kira, move your ass. <laughs> Oh, God. I have a... Yeah, there's some lines that are real yeah, groaners. Yeah. Look, I'm not with everyone here is actually one of the better ones, you know, because yes. it happens like he's like referring to everyone else who's like bowing and becoming necromonger. Right. And he's like, look, I'm not with everyone here. It's funny. I could. I, mm-hmm. That is one of those things like you could kind of use as a catchphrase, but not really. Mm-hmm. Anyway, your turn. Okay, the one like cool action thing I actually liked in this film is there's a moment in Crematoria where... He like, you know, douses himself in water, grabs the rope, goes, and as the flames are coming up, manages to snatch Kira, you know, rescues her. They're in the shade. And you see a shot of Riddick and steam is rising from him. Yeah. And smoking hot. That. Smoking. Exactly. 
Like that, it yeah. was like, okay, that was good. And like the music swells at that moment. It was like, I'm sure that's in V. Diesel's contract. You know what? He was worth it for that. I mean, uh, he, he should be proud of that scene. There was a, f- a f- fun reference, which I'm now I'm going to mangle the original line. It was something like if I owned hell and crematoria, like I'd rent out crematoria or I'd rent no, no, out. No, no, no. It's like, it's, it's, it was like, and- I, it, yeah, it was like, it, it, Tomb says it. It's like, if I owned hell and, and if I owned hell, I'd live there and Lisa or, you know, yeah, I'd that's live it. There that's it. Because it's actually yeah. the reason I recognize that line. It's a Texas reference. Uh, oh. it's a, during the civil war, some general said, if I owned hell in Texas, I'd rent out Texas and live in hell. <laughs> That's one that I still carry a grudge, uh, like a good Texan. So, um, <laughs> Fair enough. that civil war general is dead to me in addition to being dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else, Dan? Okay. This is a small thing, but I did like some of the planet and system names, like crematories in the Igneon system, which, okay, <laughs> that's good. I like that. And I love Furia and Furian. Like that is actually a great name for a planet and, and actually does perfectly capture Riddick. So, you know, that, that, that was, I, I, I think. Fast and Furian. Yeah, there we go. And also like, correct me if I'm wrong. We never heard Furia in Pitch Black, right? This is the first film where they mentioned them. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, like the idea of a planet named Furia, I was, I was tickled by. This is the least, this is the worst line, worst dialogue okay. exchange in a movie filled with, with bad trouble. lines. Yeah. Uh, remember that favorite game of yours? <laughs> Dan, Who's do you want to do killer? the corresponding line? <laughs> but you Who's have to do it. Killer? You have to do okay, it. The line okay. reading. Okay. Dan, well, here we go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that favorite game of yours? <sighs> Who's the better killer? Yeah. It's just, it's just like, what, what? <laughs> yep. If it's not funny to you listeners, even though we gave it our best shot here, it's because it's just a what in the movie too. It's like it is it is somehow presented to you as supposed to as as, a, as an iconic exchange, and then it's just like, huh? To, all right, I, I, how do I put this? <laughs> to be fair, Anna, that's not the first time they had that exchange in the film. There's a moment in the prison where Riddick says to her, "We're not playing who's the better killer, Kira." And she says, but that's my favorite game. That's a better line. Yeah. Like yeah. that's better. So, it's, it's the, who's my, who, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, fine. Uh, actually, you know what? It does work better given the backstory. It's, it's a callback. It, it's well, not, a, it's, it still makes no sense. Yeah. No, I my understand. My word streak is like 75 days. Oh, and wow. Also, okay. Spelling bee. I am a mm. genius at spelling bee. I know people play that. I actually prefer that to work. Drop that, drop that mic. Like, uh, yeah. All right. No, no. As I said, I'm not going to defend this film that much, but like to okay. be fair, that was a callback. Yeah. I oh, and I guess cryo sleep makes you horny. That is a thing that <laughs> I discovered. I will say this. I think like as I said, anytime I'm, sex comes up in these movies, it is yeah. terrible. Like, yes. Yes. Keep, sex and the pitch black. Sex, sex and the Riddick franchise mixed badly is the way yes. I would put it. And yes. we're going to talk about that more when we talk about the third. Yes. Film. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, actually, we don't have to talk about that much. We can just we can just say it's bad. Yeah, it's very, very bad. I, I, but... don't, I don't disagree with that. The other thing, though, that I find interesting is that a lot of the things that you have like that are really bad in this film are in the director's cut. Again, the theatrical cut, I think, weirdly, is a slightly better film. Not that it actually is good in any way whatsoever. It's just that they purge the most dumb things out of it. So that the thing where like he's in cryosleep and like that woman appears. Yeah. Not in the theatrical cut. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Yes, exactly. Good cut. Well, this is that's what, exactly yeah, yeah. a thing that we talk about occasionally, which is sometimes you need restraint in order to be better. Like sometimes it's yes. bad to have artistic license. Yeah. I will say, I do think this is David Twahi. I think yeah, it's terrible. I think he's not a very good director, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll Dan, talk I about this. The problem here might be that he's not a very good director. I don't know. Like, again, I, let me put it this way. We'll, we'll talk about this more when we talk about the third film. But, like, I think this is a bad film. I, I'm not going to defend this film in any way mm. whatsoever. The first one is very good. And I think the third one is actually quite good. And so I don't know if it's that he's a bad director or that he's bad at, at things that you would expect in an action film or, like, in a big budget film. 
I yeah, it's it's like I said, I when I saw Pitch Black, I was like, oh, it's going to be somebody I'm going to keep an eye on. And it just turns yeah. out and Pitch Black and then again, uh, below the submarine horror, which I do recommend if people are interested. It also might but be who's going to suggest we do it because I don't know. We've Ooh, done other submarine good. movies. <laughs> well, we did the Star Trek um, episodes. That oh, are yeah, the, yeah, movies. the other thing that we can think maybe the way to think about it is this is that the problem is, is that he's a better writer than he is a director. And the problem is, is that in this film, he's bad at both. Oh, okay. Both I was going to say, did you did you miss some of no, the lines that we no, were reading? No, 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 no. This is a bad film. This is a badly written film. This is a badly directed film. Pitch Black is a pretty well written film. It's a well, extremely well plotted film and pretty, you know, halfway decent direction. And then again, I think Riddick is a flawed film, but the writing is much better and the directing is much better. But we will get to that when we when we get to the third film. All right, Dan. Do you have anything else to say about this movie? Only that I apologize to you, Anna, for the fact that you even had to watch it once. As I said, it is a lot of fun for me, but I am not going to defend it on quality. It's a bad movie. But you have to admit, it is a bizarre sequel. Just because compared to the first film, it's different in almost every dimension and so much worse in every way. Again, so if you get your Sudoku ready (laughs) and or you have chores to do, laundry is a good one. Mm-hmm. This is a. It is in you. It 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 is interesting once. <laughs> yes, once. <laughs> yeah. I shall never watch it again. Although who knows? I do have this book to write, so maybe. There we go. <laughs> All right. Next time, Riddick. Riddick. And until then, keep this channel open. <laughs> <laughs>